welcome to Noir Talk, a podcast devoted to discussing the nonprofit Film Noir Foundation. I'm your host, Hagai Litsur. To update you on the FNF's mission of film restoration, The Man Who Cheated Himself, an independently made noir thriller from 1950, is the FNF's latest preservation project. The restored 35mm film had its world premiere in San Francisco at Noir City 16 in January of this year, fittingly, as the film was shot on location in the city by the bay. The Felix Feist-directed feature, which concerns a cop entangled with a cunning socialite who murders her husband, is playing the Noir City Festival circuit throughout 2018. A June 23rd screening on TCM's Noir Alley, hosted by Eddie Muller, will be followed by Flickr Alley's release of the film on Blu-ray, with special features produced by the FNF. In addition to the man who cheated himself, Noir City patrons and FNF donors have made it possible over the years for the FNF to restore Los Tayos Amargos, Cry Danger, The Prowler, Try and Get Me, Repeat Performance, High Tide, Too Late for Tears, The Guilty, and Woman on the Run, as well as funding many other 35mm preservations. For information about helping with FNF restoration efforts, visit the Contribute page at filmwarfoundation.org. Our guest this month is Kelly Vance. He's the chief film reviewer for the East Bay Express, and he's also written reviews for the FNF's Noir City e-magazine for the last few years. Kelly, thanks for joining us. Hi, uh, guys. Thanks for having me uh, on uh, Noir Talk. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about movie reviews and home video in this episode, but first, let's get started with uh, how did you get started writing for the Film Noir Foundation? I've been uh, the, the uh, chief film, uh, film reviewer of the East Bay Express for a long time. I think I wrote my first review um, for the Express in 1982. So uh, I been, had been reviewing uh, films all that time, and uh, Eddie uh, lives in the East Bay, uh, knows my stuff, Eddie Muller, and uh, when he first started doing his film noir events in the East Bay, um, I covered them in the newspaper. So I got to interview Eddie and talk to him, and he asked me at one point, hey, uh, you ought to write... Uh, some stuff for us. So that's kind of how it, it just kind of grew out of that. And for the last few years in particular, you've been doing a series in the Noir City e-magazine called I Wake Up Screening, which is a great name. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. tell, tell us a bit about <laughs> well, that or where that came from. Well, that was actually a coinage of uh, a woman I used to know at uh, uh, the Pacific Film Archive in Berkeley, uh, who just gave me that title. Uh, I think it was... Uh, for something I had written about the Pacific Film Archive, and it stuck, and I liked it, and everybody liked it. So I just suggested that, and Eddie kind of pasted that as a standing head on the front of my reviews. Right, take off of uh, I Wake Up Screaming, the early <laughs> yeah, uh, right. noir that we'll, uh, we'll mention a little later on Blu-ray. Um, so tell us a bit about that series you've been doing for the Noir City e-magazine. Is that related to your East Bay reviews, or are there are certain, certain movies you've picked out that specifically go into the, the Noir City e-magazine? Well, typically, uh, I get uh, a call-out from Eddie, say, usually, and he's a classic editor, too. He gets, and at the very last minute, he'll say, Hey, uh, what do you got for next uh, week's next uh, issues? There are four of them a year, and I had by usually by that time have combed through the reviews that I've written for the Express uh, because generally, almost not all of them, but the vast majority of the reviews that that get put into the uh, e-magazine under my name are reprints from the East Bay Express. So that have to do with 
vaguely noirish themes, and that's something that you know I I pretty much know by now the kind of things that he's looking for. So I will typically say, well, I've got this list of titles, usually four or five films, and he'll usually say, let's just use them, and we do, and it's printed with a little disclaimer at the bottom that they're reprints from the East Bay Express. And a recent development in the on the FNF's. Uh, website on filmnorfoundation.org is a whole section under the news tab called Now Playing. So tell us about that or how that came about. Well, it's something actually that uh, uh, Eddie and I thought up uh, this past spring. Uh, I think uh, I could see that interest was growing. This is about the same time that uh, Eddie started uh, getting his airtime on uh, TCM. I could see that he was very consciously branching out uh, with the website and the, and the festivals and all the marketing around all these things, that having a review of currently playing first-run films, uh, theatrically and once ago uh, into streaming, was a kind of the way he wanted to go with it in terms of marketing and and just basically just general topicality for new films, because these are all noiristic or neo-noir, whatever you want to call that. Um, They were just an outgrowth of the noir sensibility uh, as reflected in new films, most of which are typically kind of uh, crime action kind of movies. He asked me to uh, kind of cook up a little kind of framework, and we got it together, and, and it's been, I think, on the website for maybe about, oh, maybe a couple of months now. So there's a mix of movies and theaters as well as streaming uh, movies yeah. or TV shows as well, right, from Amazon. Yes, from that's Netflix. right. Generally, uh, we have a list, and there are actually, right now at this count, uh, there are four of us that do it. Uh, Sean Axemaker, Vince Keenan, Natalie Atkinson, and myself. And uh, I pretty much always do theatrical uh, first-run films because those are the the publicists I generally deal with uh, are repping uh, theatrical first-run releases. So that's my kind of my meat and potatoes as far as that goes. Although, if I had the time, I mean, <laughs> there's so many films out uh, in general that you could spend your whole life uh, just looking at film product. At some point, I have to stop and then write them up. Uh, how do you all divide the um, the material between you? Like, this person will review this TV show, this person will review that streaming thing, or does it just kind of come up and you're always in communication with each other? Well, uh, they asked me, uh, Eddie generally asks us for recommendations. And when I get a press release from a, a, a publicist that I think looks apt for a, a noir now playing, I just shoot it to him and say, hey, uh, how about this? It looks pretty good. Uh, let's try this. Um, I think since I do, since I'm the one <laughs> of the four so far that uh, focuses on first-run theatrical films, I get the call on that. But, you know, if, if two people wanted to do the same film, I guess it's a jump ball or a coin toss, <laughs> however uh, you would decide it. But uh, generally, I'm going after things that the other three uh, writers don't necessarily cover. They, they're more into streaming stuff, I think. 
And there are other sections on philnorfoundation.org under the news tab. There are a couple other sections that have been there for a while. There's an on TV section, which is yeah. listing all of the movies coming up in this month on all of the noir films coming up on Turner uh-huh. Classic Movies. And that includes Eddie's uh, Noir Alley screenings. So that's a great way to keep in, uh, keep track of what's coming up on TCM for uh, for your noir fix every month. Well, yeah, there's a lot out there between the between the stuff uh, from the past and the, and the new stuff, uh, the neo noir. Uh, and by the way, uh, defining film noir is an ongoing uh, process for me. Uh, Eddie, of course, I think has it firmly in mind uh, what's noir and what isn't, but. Um, the basic precepts of noir are the way I understand them. <laughs> are that uh, um, a person, uh, either through their own uh, uh, sort of inherent uh, personality or by uh, just plain bad luck, uh, falls into a uh, desperate situation uh, from which there is no escape. Uh, there's no way out. You're, you're going to lose no matter what you do. Um, and if I had to draw a circle around the nugget meaning of film noir, that's kind of the way I would think about it. And those stories uh, still popular today, as popular as ever, as evidenced by oh, all yeah, the reviews of on uh, of the new movies and the streaming shows. Right. That's like the in fact, true crime. <laughs> yeah, in fact, you could almost say that that's a, a, sort of the general story of humankind right now at this stage of the game. So. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> the noir outlook blending into real life. Where does uh, real life uh, end and noir begin, kind of thing? Or, or, or the other way around. As they said in The Third Man, mixing fact and fiction more than ever now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, um, so on the FNF news site, along with Now Playing, along with On TV, there's also a section that's been around for a while as well on DVD and Blu ray. So that lists reviews yeah. of recent releases and some going back as well. Um, so that's a roundup of noir that's available on DVD, which we're going to talk about here as well in this episode. Um, so I wanted to get into a lot of the great film noir, classic noir releases that have been put out on Blu-ray in the last few years mm-hmm. from some of the specialty home video um, shops that are not as well known as some of the bigger names. Um, and this this idea came to me from a few years ago, even going to Noir City Festival, as I've been going for more than 10 years now, a few years back, maybe a little bit after Blu-ray came in as a format, and it was going to be the thing replacing DVD. And that was around the same time as when streaming really started to pick up, where, for instance, Netflix transitioned from having every DVD ever released, which was great while it lasted, to being much more, yeah. of, the, much more of the streaming central. And there was a lot of thinking at the time that, well, for older movies, and really, in a sense, for all movies, that nobody's going to own anything on disc anymore. It's all going to be streaming. It's all going to be downloading, was what a lot of people were saying a few years ago. And uh, fortunately, certainly in my view, and I think fortunately for a lot of us noir fans, there have been a lot of really great noir releases on Blu-ray in the last few years, many of which had never been released Mm -hmm. on DVD, which was a really big surprise coming from that time a few years back, maybe seven, eight years ago, when people were saying, well, nothing's going to get released anymore. All these great classic movies had been released on DVD, largely by the main studios. Warner Brothers, Fox, etc. had done a ton of great releases, lots of great noir, and it looked like that was maybe going to just dry up completely. But that's really picked up on Blu-ray. Um, what, do you, what do you make of that? you think that's just with um, some of these specialty lines realizing there was a... Uh, 
a niche in the marketplace that they could fill that was being abandoned by the the bigger lines for to a large extent. Uh, well, I'm one of those luddites that uh, has you know luckily has a little bit of room. Uh, you know, I got a basement, <laughs> and um, I like DVDs. I like to look at them, I, and uh, I like having the cover art. You know, I'm, I'm one of those kind of characters. You know, I, I have about twenty thousand uh, tunes on my iTunes, so I've kind of given up to, to the digital world on that in that respect. But um, as far as going out and, and getting a four terabyte uh, hard drive and putting every movie I've ever liked on that, um, I just have kind of uh, shelves of uh, sort of arbitrarily arranged DVDs. Uh, I think the big thing that makes Blu-ray so attractive to uh, uh, the noir crowd is that you, we have a chance to get the commentary. Uh, uh, the commentary tracks, I think, are really superbly entertaining, especially for movies you've seen a, a bunch of times. And we're getting the generations now where DVDs that have come out several years ago, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, now they can put out a, a Blu-ray disc of that with um, a commentary track that tells you more than you ever knew about the movie. It's going to school on the show. Uh, in that respect, I think DVDs are real, uh, Blu-rays are really uh, the answer to that question because you can get so much more information on a disc. And with the Blu-rays we'll be talking about here from some of these specialty studio lines, I just wanted to mention a couple of things we uh, we won't be covering in this episode. Um, one, just for me, uh, there's a lot of uh, people talking about a lot of great discs being released uh, in Europe and overseas Blu-rays. Um, I have to admit, I don't have a player that can play those. <laughs> you need to have an all-region player to play those. Um, and a yeah, lot of those, I know what you mean. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of those, some of those have been reviewed or are being reviewed on the um, on the FNF website under the DVD Blu-ray section and also in the uh, in the North City e-magazine as well. So we won't be covering any of those, although there's a lot of great European releases. We'll be sticking to the, uh, the Region A or Region 1 as it is for DVD here. And one of the biggest... Um, specialty lines that's been around from the beginning of DVDs and even before that is, of course, the Criterion Collection, which has been releasing tons of great noir for more than 20 years now on DVD and mm -hmm. Blu-ray. But what I'm hoping to do in the near future is a separate episode focusing largely on Filmstruck, on the great new, um, relatively yes. new streaming service, which is the home of all the Criterion Collection movies and has recently expanded to add a TCM Select section, which includes a lot of the movies on TCM and the Warner Archive movies, which has put out tons of great noir over the years. So I'm hoping to get to that separately in an episode, so we won't really be covering the Criterion here, because that's a, that's a ton okay. of movies all on its own. here with with what I think has become really the leading classic home video um, specialty unit in the last few years, aside from the Criterion Collection, and it's the KL Studio Classics line, which comes mm -hmm. from the uh, from the Kino Lorber company, 
which is uh, was a merger a few years back of two different companies. There was Kino, and then there was a Fox Lorber distributor. So they combined forces, and now it's Kino Lorber. And they put out new movies as well, some independent films, uh, foreign films, documentaries. And they started up a line a few years back called Kale Studio Classics, which was dedicated to putting out older movies on Blu-ray that had never been put out on Blu-ray before, or that maybe had been put out on a very, uh, as they say, bare-bones edition with no extras. If they could get the rights mm-hmm. to it, they would put it out with more stuff on it. So they have really been doing an amazing job of putting out a ton of great movies, and they've put out a lot of great noir, which uh, many of which had never been on DVD or had never really gotten a proper DVD release. And a number of theirs have great commentaries, as you mentioned earlier, with um, Eddie Muller and Imogen Sarah Smith as well. So we can um, dive into those and talk a few of them, uh, talk about a few of them here. Yeah, so, let's do. So one I wanted to start with is Pitfall, uh, the great Andre de Tuss directed movie from the late '40s with Dick Powell and Elizabeth Scott and Raymond Burr. And that movie, actually, as we release this podcast, that movie is coming right up on Noir Alley on TCM. Uh, over the weekend. So if you haven't seen it yet and you're listening to this, then definitely check out the the Noir Alley screening. So this is a terrific film, which is set in L.A. in the late 40s. Dick Powell as an insurance man who is kind of uh, unsatisfied with his home life and falls for the temptation outside of his marriage of a younger woman played by Elizabeth Scott. So the basic setup is pretty standard for a lot of noir stories, but I think what sets this movie apart, among many other things, is that balance between the post-war doubts creeping in about the suburban life and life at home, and is it enough, and for Uh these men who had come back from the war and had experienced these crazy things, and was it enough excitement in their lives just to have a day job and the family at home, and um, isn't there more to life than that? And that's the basic setup for certainly a lot of noir films. But Pitfall, I think maybe better than any other noir film, really shows both sides of the coin. Because you see the home life with his uh, his wife played uh, wonderfully by Jane Wyatt. And then you see the temptation of him going outside of the home with Elizabeth Scott, who's playing a character who's really not, who's sort of set up maybe as a femme fatale, but really isn't. She's much more of a trapped in her own very difficult situation. It's a very interesting character and a great performance uh, by her. So I think this movie better than any other noir, I would say, really shows a full 360-degree picture of what it's like at home for these men, what it's like outside, and it's not um, stacking the deck in either way. It's not saying, oh, everything's terrible at home, so of course he's going to go out and be tempted. But it's also not saying, oh, everything at home is so perfect, and then there's a lot of stories where some outsiders come in and ruin it, and of course it's uh, good versus evil. It's really not like that either. There's just so much interesting stuff going on in this film. Yeah, and that's and uh, now that you mentioned that, that's one of those that thematic kind of strand you're talking about there. Uh, kind of reminds me that some films that are really not no, per se noir were. I'm thinking of the cinema of uh, Nicholas Ray during the '50s. Some of his films, Bigger Than Life, uh, of course, Rebel Without a Cause. Um, are not strictly thought of as noir, but have the same doubts about 50s conformist society uh, that that are, of course, melodramatized and sharply focused, more sharply focused in noir than they would be in, in another kind of film, a socially conscious 
and a kind of drama. The disc of Pitfall has a great commentary track from Eddie Mahler. And one of the things I really liked in his track is when he's talking about one scene between Raymond Burr and Elizabeth Scott. And Raymond Burr plays one of his most villainous villains that he ever played in a noir, yeah. which he did wonderfully. I mean, his character is really, really scummy. And there's one scene where Eddie says, this may be one of the earliest instances of mansplaining in cinema history. Which I thought was a great comment. Of, yeah. And Burr is just such this oily, like awful guy who's uh, just uh, manipulating oh, and yeah. ultimately abusing everyone around him, and particularly just fixated on Elizabeth Scott's character and is treating her horribly. Well, for me, the for me the heavies have always been where it's at. Uh, there are lots of great noir heroes, but I think the thing that initially and still uh, attracts me to a lot of the noirs is this wonderful rogues gallery of goons, thugs, and uh, stool pigeons uh, that we that we can see in, in the best directed and the best cast and the best written movies. Uh, just a, a wonderful kind of flip side of uh, what you might otherwise call the straight cinema. You know, these crime movies are really vivid and they get right down to it. They dispense with a social problem and, and outline that in five minutes. And you spend the rest of the time watching a guy squirm. Another great release from Kale Studio Classics with uh, also commentary from Eddie that has more than a share of Rogue's Gallery uh, faces in it is 99 River Street, which oh, yeah. um, is the Phil Carlson film that I think was on Noir Alley last year with uh, John Payne and Evelyn Keyes and Brad Dexter. And uh, a small role from Peggy Castle, who was wonderful. I talked about her with uh, Jake Hankson on an episode of this podcast last year. So that's a great one as well. What are, uh, what are some of your thoughts on that one? That was one of the formative movies, uh, really, of my, what you could call my um, movie or critical life. I saw that movie when I was 10 or 11 years old. Um, at the time, I didn't, uh, wasn't really fully appreciating all the, uh, uh, the sort of marital uh, hanky panky that was going on between the uh, the John Payne character uh, and his uh, cheating wife, and also the uh, really sort of dangerous, uh, uh, almost fantasy uh, flirtations uh, of Evelyn Keys. But I certainly picked up on uh, Jack Lambert beating up and then getting beaten up by uh, John Payne. I think it broke it broke me up. I was a big Western fan when I was a kid. And all of a sudden, after I saw uh, 99 River Street, I said, there's something I'd rather see than Westerns. And that's, uh, I didn't know what it was called, but uh, it turns out that was uh, film noir. Definitely a great introduction to that style of movie. And um, so, uh, and Eddie, with his commentary, has some fun details about Evelyn Keyes, whom he got to know quite well when he was um, writing his book on uh, Dark City Dames and uh, knew her very well for a number of years after that. And uh, one thing I like in his commentary as well, very early on in the movie, or I think maybe the very first scene, is you see John Payne, uh, it's a boxing scene. This character is a taxi driver who's a, an over-the-hill boxer. And the very first scene is a fight scene with him where he's getting beat up. And Eddie is very critical of his boxing stance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, he knocked out of it. <laughs> maybe the boxing <laughs> wranglers weren't quite able to get John Payne to uh, yeah. throw punches convincingly in that movie, but the rest well, of it is certainly great, so we can kind of let that slide a bit. Yeah, dramatically, I think that's uh, one of my favorite noirs, if not my absolute favorite. Uh, 
And again, I looked at the, the running time, and that's 83 minutes. And uh, it's just one of those things that uh, unless you're going to go into a really expanded, uh, character-filled uh, uh, crime film, you don't really need any, more, any uh, more than about 90 minutes to completely etch out a predicament and the people involved in it and to do it with style. And, of course, it all boils down to writing, writing first and foremost. In the case of uh, uh, 99 River Street, it was Robert Smith and George Zuckerman who wrote it uh, under the direction of... Uh, Phil Carlson, who was one of the great, uh, great action directors. Uh, in fact, his boxing movie, uh, he did one of Elvis Presley's, uh, well, I think it's one of Elvis's best movies, uh, a remake of Kid Galahad, another boxing movie. So Phil, Car- Phil Carlson knew how to handle, uh, he knew his way around a boxing ring as far as getting performances out of people uh, uh, who made a living as prize fighters. Another one released by Kale Studio Classics is Cry of the City is a Robert Siodmak movie from the late 40s, which had actually been released on DVD. The Fox Archives, or Fox Cinema Classics line, had put it out on DVD, although without any extra features. And for years, I remember there were rumors that it was going to be released by the Criterion Collection, but for whatever reason, that never came about. So Kale Studio Classics put it out, also with a commentary from Eddie. And this is a really wonderfully kind of sad, tragic story of a family in New York City. Um, when I first saw it, I'd heard about it for a few years, and then I saw it playing at the Arthur Lyons Festival and Film Noir Festival in Palm Springs some years ago. And I knew Siodmak's big movies, um, The Killers and um, Crisscross. So I was kind of assuming it would be sort of like that, like this really hardcore noir with uh, femme fatales and heists and all that and very hard-boiled stuff. And it's not like that at all. It's totally different. Um, the story is almost like, a, like I mentioned, sort of a 30s feel, almost like an Angels with Dirty Faces of mm-hmm, two, boys mm-hmm. who, two boys who knew each other when they were young. They ended up growing up on opposite sides of the law, and the family is caught in between them with Richard Conti as the uh, gangster and Victor Mature as the policeman who's after him. And it's this very intense story of the family kind of being torn between those two guys and with some wonderful character actors in it as well with um, early roles for Shelley Winters and Hope Emerson. Um, so this is a, a terrific film and a great Blu-ray. And um, Eddie on his commentary talks a lot about those dynamics between them. And he, uh, he points out a few like kind of big plot holes, which I never really noticed watching mm-hmm. the, the movie, but it goes by really, it plays very um, smoothly and it goes by very quickly, like you're mentioning with the other movies. So you kind of don't notice them the first time. <laughs> watching it Um, and then another one that um, uh, Kino Lorber put out that on Kale Studio Classics with commentary from Eddie is Deadline USA Richard Brooks directed film from the early 50s with Humphrey Bogart as the lead playing a newspaper editor of a crusading newspaper which is on the brink of uh, folding with um, family dispute between the owners and as Eddie points out on the commentary, and as he's pointed out when he's showed it at his festival before, it's really not a film noir, strictly speaking. Um, there is yeah. a crime gangster boss who's kind of involved in the plot, but the main plot doesn't really have a noir sensibility to it. But it is a really, really great newspaper movie, which is why um, Eddie said he played it in one of his uh, noir city festivals when the theme was newspaper noir. 
and it fit in perfectly with all, a lot of other great newspaper-themed movies. And um, as he says in the commentary as well, it's uh, a special place for him because his father was a lifelong newspaper man. So, and this is really one of the best movies of that era that deals with newspapers, what it was like to work for them, all the crazy different characters who were writing the different columns and these grizzled veterans who'd been a long time and had seen it all but were uh, still plugging away on their beats. Coming from a newspaper background myself, uh, I grew up uh, in the Midwest. Uh, my father uh, published a small town daily, a six-day-a-week daily in the town of Crawfordsville, Indiana. And uh, when I uh, finally uh, started working in Chicago uh, in the alternative uh, press uh, for the Chicago Reader, um, I sort of hung out uh, and got to know people in the dailies. Uh, the dailies were uh, something that I knew on a saw small scale from my early days. But just watching newspaper people and how they operated and and what it was like to be in a big city daily, what it was like to be in a big city newspaper, news gathering in general. I think uh, uh, noir probably appeals uh, to a lot of people uh, who are in the, uh, the newspaper and, and news gathering business because uh, it was almost as if their humdrum lives uh, with a touch of danger and uh, violence and melodrama uh, could easily make noirs. All the ingredients were there. It's just heightened and uh, melodramatized in a way uh, in noir. And a few other titles I want to mention here um, from Kale Studio Classics have commentary from Imogen Sarah Smith, who of course has written for the Film Noir Foundation right. in Noir City for many years. Um, one of them, which I talked about with her um, in an extended segment last year on episode three of this podcast, is Hollow Triumph or The Scar. Kale Studio Classics released it under the title of The Scar, and that was the movie starring Paul Henreid and Joan Bennett from the late 40s, where um, Paul Henreid, rather, um, in a rather unlikely plot, <laughs> ends up finding someone who's his identical twin and um, covers up his uh, heist gone wrong. And so you can go back and listen, uh, any interest in that film, go back and listen to that episode where Imogen talks about it a lot, and it's a great great movie and uh, her commentary track is, is terrific and one of the things that stands out about that film is the great cinematography from John Alton and um, a couple other titles then another one is Boomerang which is an Elia Kazan film which had a big cast Dana Andrews and lots of other big names a movie that wasn't as well known for many years I think maybe there were some rights issues or it was kind of hard to see and then the Fox Film Noir line put it out on DVD some years ago and, um, and then it was re-released by Kale Studio Classics on Blu-ray, and they had Imogen come in to do a commentary. So that one's definitely worth track checking out as well. And one that's just coming out very soon this month is The Woman in the Window, with commentary from Imogen. So I'm really looking forward to that one. That is the Fritz Lang-directed film with Edward G. Robinson and Dan Durier and Joan Bennett, the team that was uh, put back together the, the year after that for Scarlet's Night. <laughs> So Woman in the Window was kind of the predecessor to Scarlet Street, and it was, I think, and we'll hear from Imogen on the commentary once we get the disc, I think Woman in the Window was, was the bigger hit. Like, it was a really big box office success. And Scarlet Street, maybe not quite as much. Yeah, it's, I gather that, and they're virtually the same film. So uh, and Edward G. Robinson and uh, Joan Bennett are just an absolutely amazing pair in that movie. Uh, uh, just the dynamics of what goes on between them with... Uh, the insertion of Dan Duryea in the middle of it, you know, the, 
the, the Hustler, uh, just classic stuff. And it makes me think that uh, noir, uh, when it comes to noir, um, Fritz Lang and Hitchcock, Alfred Hitchcock, practically everything they did could be classified as noir. Uh, and but we don't often think of them in, in terms of uh, uh, a C. Mac or uh, a Phil Carlson, but they lived and breathed noir. And I think really probably a lot of it had to do with the German sensibility of, uh, of Lang and Siad Mack, uh, um, they came from Europe where, uh, I think the, the precepts of, uh, kind of basic philosophical precepts, if you want to look at it that way, of noir have been accepted uh, for longer than they were in the States. Uh, we had our production code here in, uh, uh, the Hollywood's golden age. Uh, we weren't allowed to talk about certain things and we had to express those kind of gloomy, uh, noir uh, uh, themes uh, in oblique ways, the Europeans, uh, of course, could uh, let it all hang out. Uh, and when it came to Hollywood, they, they had to get under the, uh, uh, the studio system. Uh, but, um, yeah, looking at uh, We're in the Window is just endlessly referential uh, for people who like noir because it's just really pure noir, I think. It's a bit notorious for, um, without maybe necessarily spoiling everything, the ending is a bit of a Wizard of Oz <laughs> type <laughs> yeah. direction, if you want to call it that. Um, yeah. And it's very different from Scarlet Street, which has this devastatingly bleak ending, one of the mo one of the darkest and most disturbing endings of any film noir. So maybe they decided they had to, after the um, <laughs> kind of left turn they took at the end of Woman in the Window, like, okay, you really got to hammer the audience at the end with the next one. <laughs> but but both terrific films, and I'm really glad that that one, Woman in the Window, is coming out on Blu-ray. That's, uh, that's going to be great to see. Um, a few others from KL Studio Classics, with all these great releases they've had. Um, they put out one without any extras, is He Ran All the Way. That was John, John Garfield's last film, unfortunately, before he passed away, which is this terrific... Um, hostage-taking movie where he takes the family hostage of, uh, with Shelley Winters and Wallace Ford playing her dad, who is wonderful. That's uh, interesting uh, to me for a couple of reasons. Uh, uh, I just thought it was a, just a terrific stripped-down film noir. Bang, 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 it all happens just kind of spur on the, spur on the moment. Uh, you could just see that Garfield was doomed. From the very first shot in that movie, you could see that this guy is doomed. You know, whatever he's going to do, he's just he's on this roller coaster ride down the the pits, and to putting together with Shelley Winters, one of the great players of losers uh, in Hollywood, uh, that's just that's the end. I mean, <laughs> you could just you, you kind of luxuriate in all the misery that's going to happen to these characters. John Barry, uh, the director, I think was also a, an interesting guy, like a lot of people. Uh, uh, that end up uh, doing noir, he ran afoul of um, um, the uh, anti-communist uh, Red Scare in the late 40s and had it finish his career in France uh, where he made some uh, really amazing, uh, really interesting low-budget movies uh, that have nothing, really nothing to do with noir, but um, he's an example to me of a kind of a rebellious filmmaker, a guy with an outsider point of view, um, which just segues perfectly with John Garfield and, and, uh, and Shelley Winters. 
Another one I wanted to mention is the movie Roadhouse from the late 40s, which uh, starred Ida Lupino and Richard Widmark, along with Cornell Wilde and Celeste Holm. And that also was originally released as a Fox Film Noir DVD and then re-released now by Chaos Studio Classics on Blu-ray. And that one has a really fun commentary with Eddie Muller and Kim Morgan, who's a great writer and film critic who uh, has written some stuff for the Noir City magazine over the years. And I really like those... Um, I guess it costs more... Well, obviously it costs more to get multiple people to do a commentary track than one person, which is maybe why it's a little more rare, but those team commentaries are really fun when you get people just kind of going back and forth with each other, and uh, oh, yeah. that when Eddie and Kim were having a ball, it's a really fun movie. Um, <laughs> it's this kind of crazy over-the-top story of uh, you know this roadhouse in this small rural town, and Ida Lupino comes to town as the torch singer, and it's a great role for her. And one little subtle thing I like about that movie is... Um, so in lots and lots and lots of noirs, you always had the plot point of they're trying to get to Mexico, or this is how we're going to oh, escape yeah. the law. We're going to get across the border to Mexico with, of course, movies set in L.A. That's the closest place you can go to escape the feds. But in Roadhouse, it's the only one I know of where, in the end, they're trying to escape across the other border. They're going to Canada. There you go. Yeah, it's set <laughs> way up north. So they reversed things from the usual film noir across the southern border up to the north. So so that's a great one. And if you haven't seen that movie, well worth, well worth checking that disc out. Um, a few others to mention. One is uh, the aforementioned I Wake Up Screaming, which is one of the very earliest film noirs from 1941 with Victor Mature and Betty Grable. Um, and that showed it, uh, at the Noir City Film Festival in San Francisco earlier this year, and I guess at some of the other satellite festivals. And I'd seen that one years ago. That was also a Fox film noir release, which is now re-released by Kale Studio Classics on Blu-ray with, uh, with a good commentary track as well. So that one, it's interesting because it's very early on before, I guess, a lot of the noir trends had picked up. And so there's a mix of kind of um, standard entertainments from that time. But then you get these sequences that are intensely expressionistic and really hardcore um, noir visual style, what we would end up associating with a noir visual style, but mixed in with this kind of slightly bubbly fox <laughs> sort of fun <laughs> Uh, you know, a style with Betty Grable. So it's a weird mix, but it plays really well. Um, it was a big hit back in San Francisco in January at, at the North City Festival. So that one, I think, holds up holds up really well from when I'd seen it originally. Um, and a couple others to mention. There's uh, The Chase is a really interesting movie that was put out on Blu-ray uh, from Kale Studio Classics with Robert Cummings and the uh, wonderful French actress Michelle Morgan. And it's a very strange story, weird kind of nonlinear stuff. And the villains in that one are a wonderfully odd couple of Steve Cochran and Peter Lorre. <laughs> yeah, that, ever is, wanted quite, to that see... is quite a cast. We <laughs> mash all those characters together. Yeah. If you've ever wanted to see Steve Cochran and Peter Lorre together, and you definitely do, this is the movie to check out. And it's, um, it's a really nice restoration and looks very good. And uh, it's an adaptation by uh, of Cornell Woolrich, uh, who's one of the greatest of all uh, writers who ended up doing noir. I mean, uh, Cornell Woolrich, you just can't go wrong. Yes, absolutely. Um, a few others I wanted to mention. There's um, A Kiss Before Dying, which is kind of a noir-ish sort of Technicolor movie from the mid-50s with uh, Robert Wagner. More of a, kind of more of a straight thriller where he's um, on the rampage killing young girlfriends. It's a very far-fetched story, but really nicely put together and very well acted. Um, I saw it also at the Arthur Lyons Film Noir Festival some years ago, and I, I thought it was uh, played really well, and that one's on Blu-ray from Kale Studio Classics, too. And they have one coming out soon, I Walk Alone, 
that's the Paramount movie from the late 40s with the first pairing of Burt Lancaster and Kirk Douglas, first time they were ever in a, ever in a movie together, and um, with Elizabeth Scott as well, a good role for her, and Wendell Corey, a really good cast. And that one, I would say, that one played at um, Noir City in January as well in San Francisco, and the restoration of that one, the digital restoration that Paramount did, and they're using the transfer for this new Blu-ray, is really fantastic. Um, of all these digital restorations that the studios have been doing in the last few years, screening at uh, Noir City and various other theaters around the country, um, just about all of those have really looked nice. But I Walk Alone, I would say, when I saw it in January, it looked more like film than any of those other classic digital restorations mm. I've seen. I was really impressed. It looks beautiful. And a few others to mention from Kale Studio Classics before we move on. There's a um, great 70s heist movie, The Taking of Pelham 123, which played uh, last year in Noir City during the heist film theme for the year. Uh, that's a great release with lots of great extra features on it, commentary and um, interviews and behind-the-scenes stuff. And uh, I just wanted to throw in a couple of non-noir films that I loved and was just delighted that were released by Kale Studio Classics. Uh, Preetzi's Honor, the great uh, dark comedy from the mid-'80s, uh, one of John Huston's last films with Jack Nicholson. Charlie Bartana. Jack Nicholson playing Charlie Bartana, yes, the mafioso. And uh, Angelica Houston, wonderful role that she won the Best Supporting Actress for. Yeah. And uh, they also, Chaos Studio Classics also released Death Rides a Horse, which is a late 60s spaghetti western, a crazy but really fun movie with John Philip Law and Lee Van Cleef. That's, I think that's one of the best spaghetti westerns um, that's not quite as famous. I mean, the most famous ones here in the U.S., of course, the Sergio Leone films. Uh, this one was directed by a different director, Giulio Petroni. But it's really wonderful and, and really hilarious and fun. So if you like those Sergio Leone movies, definitely check out. Yeah, and you know, there were hundreds, just hundreds and hundreds of, of spaghetti westerns made that haven't gotten to the States. Just, uh, I forget the name of the author, but somebody put out a book a while ago that was really about four or five hundred page coffee table book about spaghetti westerns. And it just, they just never end. It just went on there. And all telescoped into practically two decades, the 60s and 70s. And it's just unbelievable amount of spaghetti westerns yeah they didn't spend a whole lot of money on a lot of them but they were all trying to strike gold with you know the next fistful of dollars and or the next django and yeah. hit it big around the world move on to uh, another one of these specialty houses that's been putting out a lot of great Blu-rays, a lot of great noir on Blu-ray, and that's Olive Films. And they put out a couple of the Film Noir Foundation-funded restoration movies. Um, one is Cry Danger with Dick Powell and Rhonda Fleming. Oh, yeah. And Richard Terrific Erdman. movie. Yes, wonderful film uh, written by Bill Bowers, great screenwriter. And that's a L.A. set movie where Dick Powell is a uh, uh, ex-con just released from prison and you find out the plot of how he had uh, taken the fall or taken the rap and now there's uh, out for revenge and there's all sorts of crisscross and everything and that one I think stands out for the dialogue is just so snappy and witty I mean oh, almost yeah. every conversation just these wonderful 
wonderfully sarcastic, bitter, funny lines. Richard Erdman uh, specializes in those kind of in that kind of rejoinder. You know, he's, uh, he's a great wisecrack artist. You know, give give Dick Erdman a couple of comeback lines and uh, almost makes that whole corner of the movie. That is one of his best roles for sure. He was spectacular in that movie and a small role for William Conrad as well. Um, so that's a terrific film. And then another restoration that the FNF funded was Try and Get Me, which is a very intense movie that was, I think, based on a true story that ended up being um, lynching in a prison. That one starred yeah, yeah. Lloyd Bridges and Frank Lovejoy as these two guys yeah. who get involved in this um, very low-level uh, crime, kind of stumbling into it, and then this very frightening finale set at a prison that ends up with this uh, lynch mob coming after them. So that's a very powerful movie, and that was directed by Cy Enfield, who was another director who ended up being blacklisted and ended up going to Europe. Right, and I'm just finding out, I just as I'm, we're talking, I'm kind of riffing here on the imdb.com. And the, other, the alternate title of that, uh, trying to get me, was The Sound of Fury. And that's the way that IMDb uh, lists it. Uh, Try and get me. I think is a much, is a terrific film title. And, but yeah, that <clears throat> the uh, the ending of that movie is quite harrowing. And some other great noirs that Olive Films has put out on Blu-ray. One is The Big Combo, which had never really gotten a great DVD release, but has a, a very nice looking release on Blu-ray from Olive. That's the great 1955 movie with uh, Richard Conti as the bad guy and Cornell Wilde. Um, and um, great supporting roles for Lee Van Cleef mm-hmm. and um, some other great character actors and beautifully filmed by John Alton, one of his best um, cinematographers. Joseph H. Lewis. And directed the by... The great his, Joseph H. Lewis. Yes, directed by Joseph Lee. Yeah. Joseph H. Lewis, most famous for Gun Crazy and, and for that one. Um, a couple others from Olive. There's Body and Soul, which is the boxing movie with John Garfield from the late 40s. The, another great boxing movie, yeah. Um, yeah. Eddie, I think, mentions in one of his commentaries that he, he believes that uh, the setup is the best boxing movie ever made. Uh, Body and Soul, uh, for me, uh, is, say, in the top five of uh, boxing movies. It, again, it, a subject matter that is almost instantly noir because the histories of practically any boxing, any boxer anywhere, uh, from Waging Bull, you know, to the story of Jack Johnson, and um, it's just inherently noir. Yes, and talked about that one some with Michael Cronenberg in one of the podcast episodes from last year, and he ranked that as one of his top boxing movies as well. And another great noir they released from Olive is Plunder Road. She talked a bit about yeah. with uh, Jay Kingston last year, <laughs> Noir City, Chicago. So that's a very low-budget heist movie directed by uh, Hubert Cornfield, a very sort of odd character, but made some great movies. Yes, and very effective. Just a just blunt, brutal, procedural where you see five guys who you just, and one of them is Elisha Cook Jr., so you know immediately that he's going to be one of the first guys to, to get nabbed or get shot down uh, because he's Elisha Cook. And you just it bang, 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 they just go down that road. And the wonderful shots, you know, there's half the movie, I mean, probably, I think more than half that movie was probably done on a soundstage with back projection. It has that feeling of movement. And it just never stops until they nab the last one. I mean, so not a lot to it. I mean, you can sum it, you could write a one sentence uh, uh, high concept of that thing. Uh, 
but wow, how effective. Really just wonderful, wonderful, wonderfully cut, wonderfully written and staged, uh, uh, a real treat. It's very lean and mean, like 70 minutes or so. Um, <laughs> heist movie with uh, truckers as the main characters, so kind of like a B-movie, uh, Wages of Fear, kind of reinvention for for uh, for American noir, and in particular, a really great opening sequence set in this pouring rain where there's no dialogue at all for a few minutes in this, this great heist they pull off. Another very intense prison escape movie that Oliver released, also from the mid-50s, is Crash Out, with William Bendix as the head of this really motley crew of uh, of thugs and deadbeats with uh, William Tallman and Arthur Kennedy and Percy Helton in a small role and some uh, some terrific character actors. It's very, very intense, really well done, and just edge of your seat from the whole movie, where from the opening escape through all these different great set pieces. There's a scene in a, a bar where they're holding everyone hostage, and then the climax amazingly takes place as they're climbing a mountain in a snowstorm. So it's, uh, well, it's somehow crazy. I missed really that good. one. I'm going to catch up with that one. You know, oh, yeah. you, you piqued my interest on that one. Oh, it's, it's fantastic. Um, I think I first saw it at, um, it was either Palm Springs or one of the noir city festivals it's played on at both of those. Um, but excellent. And, and such a great cast. So I very strongly recommend checking that one out. A terrific movie. And not, I think not as well known as it should be. Um, really wonderful one. And another one that Olive has just put out um, recently, just in the last week or two, is the great classic Odds Against Tomorrow from the late 50s, directed by Robert Wise with Harry Belafonte, Robert Ryan, and Ed Begley as three uh, three guys with nothing in common except that they're trying to pull off a heist together. <laughs> and it's a terrific film, really intense, and just wonderful performances from all the leads and some great supporting roles as well for uh, Gloria Graham, and uh, Shelley Winters showing up again. Uh, that one never really had a good DVD release here in the U.S., so I'm very glad that that's finally on Blu-ray. None of those none of those releases I mentioned from all the films have any extra features. Um, they do have a line they've been putting no, out the last. Yeah, they have a they have a line they've been putting out the last couple of years called the Olive Signature Series, which doesn't have any exact noirs, but has some really good movies: uh, High Noon, Orson Welles' Macbeth, Letter from an Unknown Woman by Max Ophuls, and. Uh, one that I need to see, Johnny Guitar, one of uh, Joan Crawford's big ones. Oh, yeah, that's classic. That's the famous movie that uh, Jean-Luc Godard said. That it's a, I'm paraphrasing, but it's the greatest movie ever made, and if you want to learn about life, you have to see Johnny Guitar. <laughs> well, I guess I've been missing life altogether. <laughs> so I haven't seen <laughs> if you, if you If you can stand, uh, the cat fight on hor- it's a cat fight on horseback. <laughs> uh, Mercedes McCambridge and Joan Crawford. I mean, right. that's all you have to really say. But the fact that Sterling Hayden plays guitar and sings, uh, that's a, a draw in itself. Let's go and mention a few of the other specialty houses that have putting out some great noir releases. One is Flicker Alley, where their two big ones in the last couple of years were two of the big Film Noir Foundation restorations, which we've talked about on this podcast yes. before, uh, Too Late for Tears and Woman on the Run. So these are both fantastic films, Too Late for Tears, with Elizabeth Scott as well in a, a great femme fatale role, and Woman on the Run with uh, Anne Sheridan in one of her best roles from the kind of middle part of her career. And um, these are both terrific releases which, with lots and lots of great extra features, with commentaries from Alan Rohde and Eddie Muller and um, mm-hmm. documentaries about the making of the film and how they put the restorations together. So there's been lots of coverage of those in the... Noir City E Magazine and all the F and F publications, but absolutely worth checking out. So um, 
don't hesitate if you haven't got those. Those are both great films. And they are also going to be putting out on Flickr Alley, they've announced, although not a direct announcement of when it's going to be coming, but hopefully sometime soon, they're going to be putting out the restoration that the FNF did this year, which is The Man Who Cheated Himself, which we'll mention here because that's coming up on Noir Alley very soon at the end of... Uh, Looking forward to that. Yeah, terrific films. Uh, great locations all around San Francisco with Lee J. Cobb, John Dahl, and uh, Jane Wyatt playing a wonderful femme fatale role, the opposite side of uh, well, if you played in fit pitfall well and being a san franciscan uh I, well, that was one of the big lures for me to see women on the run despite the fact that at the end of the movie uh they used i think might have been santa monica pier i'm not really sure some amusement park in la uh, to stand in for playland at the beach the now defunct but uh, well beloved by people uh who've lived here a long time um the amusement park out on uh, Ocean uh, Beach in, uh, in San Francisco. But that movie uh, certainly had that flavor because they hop all over all these iconic destinations uh, uh, from the beach, and they go to Chinatown, and uh, the hills play into it. Uh, it's uh, For people who live in San Francisco, Woman on the Run, I think, is a real must. Definitely. It's it's one of the best location film noirs, I think, anywhere from that time period. Really terrific film. And uh, Man Who Cheated Himself has great San Francisco locations as well, especially in the climactic scene at the end, which takes place at Fort Point, which is this abandoned yeah. uh, military installation, which is literally right at the base of the Golden Gate Bridge. So it's this amazing location. Yeah, the way they use it in this yeah. film is the... Um, the sound design in the sequence is incredible. When you see it, it's really wonderful with these howling winds and uh, the sounds of the um, characters, even just the sounds of the characters' shoes banging on the ground as they run around this oh, yeah. well, huge abandoned just, um, fort. It's very powerful. Fort Point, uh, uh, as you, I'm sure you know this, but uh, it figured in two of the great, uh, uh, to me, action, uh, noir, uh, kind of San Francisco type uh, murky depressing but wonderful films uh, Vertigo and uh, uh, Point Black Point Black culminates at uh, at uh, Fort Point inside Fort Point which you never see the inside of Fort Point in Vertigo it's famous because that's where Kim Novak jumps in, into the water and, and James Stewart jumps in after her and saves her uh, in the midst of his uh, obsession, compulsion with her. But you never see the inside of P Fort Point until you get to Point Black, because that's where the final show, the show the showdown happens. Another specialty line I wanted to mention, a couple of their releases, is VCI. Uh, they put out one of, actually, the first Fillmore Foundation funded by Restoration from 10 years ago, which was The Prowler. The great Joseph Losey classic um, with Van Heflin what a great movie. and Evelyn Keyes, uh, written by Dalton Trombo. And they put it out on DVD about 2011, and then a few years later on Blu-ray. And I think those might be out of print now, but hopefully still available in some cases. So FNF has done a lot of coverage of that over the years, and a fantastic release with lots of great extra features with commentary from Eddie. Um, absolutely a, a must-own if you uh, can get your hands on that one. Another one I wanted to mention from DCI is actually not a Blu-ray release, but it's a DVD release, but I wanted to mention it because... Um, Unless you're like me and have been obsessively into this stuff for 10 years or more, you might have missed this one. And it's the movie New York Confidential 
from 1955. Oh, yeah. Which starred um, Broderick Crawford, Richard Conti, and Anne Bancroft. And a great supporting cast with uh, Jake Harrell Nash, Mike Mazurki, Barry Kelly, lots of other good actors. Um, written and directed by Russell Rouse, who is most famous as uh, one of the writers on DOA. And the big deal with this one was about mm, 12 to 15 years ago, when I really started getting into film noir and getting online and talking to other fans on message boards with people who were collectors who were always swapping DVDs of old noir films taped from various TV showings from all over the country or even all over the world over the years. The most rare movie, as I recall, the one that nobody had been able to get their hands on, it just had never been shown, no one could get a good copy, was New York Confidential. This was basically the holy grail for noir collectors. Nobody could get their hands on it. I think it was just because... I didn't realize that. One of those things where the rights to the movie just were very complicated and were spread out over different companies, different rights holders over the years, and so huh. no one was able to, to see it. I guess there hadn't been any TV showings for years and years. It was never on video. And finally, it was released on DVD and in digital form in 2010. It was the distributor, Kit Parker, managed to finally organize, uh, he managed to buy the rights to it, and he had access to good 35-millimeter print elements. So they put up this really nice digital... Uh, transfer of it, and they showed that at more city festivals and at Palm Springs, where I saw it there. And it's a, it's a terrific movie. It really, um, it's one of those behind the scenes, kind of uh, organized crime, crime busting kind of things. Sort of like somewhat similar to, um, in some ways, to Kansas City Confidential from a few years earlier. The same producer, which was which had John Payne in it. So New York Confidential is this behind the scenes of this um, organized crime ring headed by Broderick Crawford. Right. Richard Conti as an out-of-town hitman who comes and is hired by the um, by the syndicate. And so the cast is fantastic, and the DVD really looks great, and it has commentary, another team commentary with Alan Rohde and Kim Morgan, and they have a lot of fun going through it with all the great character actors. As I think they talked about on there, the budget for the movie, it seems like they really spent it on the cast. The sets are, uh, you could say, somewhat minimal. <laughs> it's like, it's set in some Yeah, it's board, flat lighting, like, and it's... Yeah, set in boardrooms and offices, and you know the 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 foyer at Roger Crawford's house. Not a ton going on there, but the cast is great, and there's this wonderful dialogue between them. And in particular, the thing that stood out to me about that movie that really blew me away was Anne Bancroft in the mid fifties. Oh, very early. She's terrifically sexy in that movie. She is really great. Incredible. It's very early in her career, and she in later years she said she didn't really like most of those Hollywood roles she had early in her career. They really didn't know what to do with her in Hollywood early on. They misused her a lot. But in this movie, her chemistry with Richard Conti is spectacular. They are amazing. Mm-hmm. Together. I agree. And it's it's really the highlight of that movie and well worth seeing. So that DVD absolutely is worth tracking down, looking up uh, the VCI release of New York Confidential, again, with a great commentary from Alan Rohde and Kim Morgan. And because um, that one, that really was a big kind of, oh my God, now we can finally see this movie when it was released. So... Um, I hope people will check that out for sure. That's a terrific one. No bad habits, huh? Not during business hours. Not even to please the boss's daughter? Especially not with the boss's daughter. Afraid? Could be. Nick, I wonder about you. You're not like the rest of Papa's hoodlums. I like to use the term employee. Like a cobra. Always relaxed, yet always ready to strike. Nick! Excuse me. Jump, Fido. Papa, give you liver. A few others we want to mention. So from the 
uh, Classic Flix line, which is a new one just in the last couple of years. They put out a great uh, series of noirs just in this last fall of Anthony Mann-directed movies or co-directed movies, the great classics T-Men and Raw Deal, and then He Walked by Night, which he sort of co-directed, um, all filmed beautifully by John Alton. And these releases all have great extras produced by Alan Rohde and with some other Film Noir Foundation um, contributions, Michael Cronenberg with the design, and uh, Stephen Smith, I think, produced some of the documentary features. We had him on last year to talk about uh, Film Noir composers, and he, of course, has been directing, producing documentaries and DVD extras for many, many years, and probably on a lot of these other releases as well. So all three of those movies are, are terrific, and these Blu-ray releases are wonderful from classic flicks. Um, T-Men and Raw Deal in particular, those never really got good uh, DVD releases here in the U.S. Um, I heard about those movies for years as the great, you know, uh, John Alton-Anthony Mann collaborations and Raw Deal play that um, Noir City, one of the first years I went, in this great-looking print, but it was hard to get them in good versions on home video, but now you finally can. You're right. And these wonderful Blu-rays, they really look beautiful, and... Uh, terrific extra features on all those so well worth checking out um another one i wanted to mention from classic flicks is you only live once uh fritz lang great film from the 30s kind of a proto-noir a little before um the film our mm-hmm. movement really started in earnest but a terrific film with henry fonda and sylvia sydney a very over-the-top lovers on the run movie but one of the prototypes for later ones gun crazy of course and uh ultimately bonnie and clyde um really beautifully filmed and very intensely stylized and uh, terrific film and was also very hard to see in good versions. There was never really a good DVD release of it, but Classic Flix put out a really beautiful looking Blu-ray and with a great commentary from Jeremy Arnold, who um, is a writer for uh, TCM for many years. He also did the commentary for He Walked by Night. Another specialty line I wanted to mention is the Cohen Film Collection, which has put out some really good Blu-rays. Jamaica Inn is one, another kind of maybe sort of proto-noir. That's an Alfred Hitchcock movie from 1939. That was actually his last British film before he came to Hollywood. And that one is a really weird movie with um, uh, Charles Lawton, Robert Newton, and Maureen O'Hara, one of her earliest roles. She was wonderful in that one, one of her earliest lead roles before she came to Hollywood with Hunchback of Notre Dame. And Jamaica Inn is one that was also very hard to see in a good uh, version before, in a good-looking version, like a good video transfer. I had seen a really rough-looking version years ago, and I didn't think that much of the movie. But getting this Blu-ray, which looks so, which has this beautiful transfer, uh, my opinion of the movie definitely went up from seeing it in such a good version. Um, it's still kind of weird and choppy at times in terms of the plot, but some great performances and yeah. really beautifully filmed. And Maureen O'Hara is wonderful, so well worth checking. Well, out. you piqued my interest because. Uh, I love Hitchcock, like most people, and I, I have a really bad DVD of Jamaica Inn. And <laughs> you make it sound like it. Um, this Blu-ray is what I've been looking for uh, to kind of fill in the gaps in my Hitchcock knowledge, because I never really thought it, it always looked kind of murky to me. And I'm sure it didn't, on the, when it first came out in, in release, it wasn't murky. It was probably pretty well produced. It is, yeah. I mean, the Blu-ray just looks terrific, and it... Uh... It definitely raised my estimate. I mean, I wouldn't say it's one of his greatest films, but it definitely raised my estimation of that movie and absolutely worth getting. And with yeah. another good commentary from Jeremy Arnold. And the one that Cohen Film Collection put out for film noir that I was the most happy about about a year and a half, two years ago, is Sudden Fear, the Joan Crawford classic from the early 50s with um, Jack Palance and Gloria Graham, one of Jack Palance's first roles. 
And this is a terrific movie, which was, I think, a big success at the time. It was nominated for a bunch of Oscars, for Joan Crawford, for Jack Palance as well, got an Oscar nomination. And it was hard to see over the years, I think, again, because of weird, complicated rights issues. And there was a DVD of it that came out many, many years ago that was really pretty poor quality um, in terms of the video and audio. And it was good to have something where you could see the film, but it just, they didn't, I guess they didn't have good film elements to work with for that video transfer. It just really wasn't good to look at. But this new Blu-ray release is fantastic. Um, it had played, I think, also at some Film Noir Foundation uh, Noir City Film Festivals over the years in 35mm, although I'd never been able to see it in any of the ones that I was at. So I was thrilled when it came out. It's just a terrific film and also great commentary, again, from Jeremy Arnold. And um, one really fun little detail of that, it's also set largely in San Francisco, is there's a scene when Joan Crawford is going to Jack Palance's house where he lives, and he actually lives right on the curving block of Lombard Street, the legendary curving block. So he's actually living in a the house there, that, and she drives the up <laughs> on the curvy block, and she parks right in front of his house, which is also how you know oh, it's yeah. a movie, because there's never which, parking it, on that Which block. is completely impossible to even imagine now, because <laughs> not only wall-to-wall tourist uh, cars going down that has become uh, one of the key uh, San Francisco spots for auto break-ins. And uh, tourists from all over are getting mugged and their stuff ripped off out of their cars uh, around that crooked street. And practically everybody that lives on the street is formed together, almost like a vigilante group, uh, trying to figure out whether to ban the tourists or just somehow get them from infesting their street because no one will leave them alone. And so if Joan Crawford could park out in front of any house on, on the curly part of Lombard Street on Russian Hill... More power to her. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I just really, I just noticed that in particular, being uh, very familiar with San Francisco. That was uh, only in the movies kind of detail that stood out. Exactly. And uh, really a, a terrific film. I think it's one of John Crawford's best movies for sure. Um, and I think it, it maybe would have a, a better reputation or it would be better known if it had been more available over the years. Um, I think it's right up there with, um, uh, you know, Mildred Pierce and uh, Humor Ask and some of the other great ones she did from the late 40s. Another specialty house we want to mention is Twilight Time, which has been around for a number of years now. They've been putting out specifically limited edition releases, um, where they specify how many of them are going to be available for a number of years now. They've been putting out a lot of great stuff, a lot of them with rights they got from the other studios. And one of the ones from the Fox Film Noir series that they put out as a re-release is Kiss of Death, the great classic with Victor Mature and Richard Widmark. Um, that was one of the Fox Film Noir DVD releases. Mm-hmm. And Twilight Time put that out on Blu-ray and with um, old commentary from James Rossini and Alan Silver, which is really good. And they added a new commentary as well with Julie Kirko and Nick Redman, which is really interesting. So if you don't have Kiss of Death in any version, that absolutely is worth picking up uh, in the great video transfer. And the one in particular I wanted to mention from Twilight Time is Inferno, the 3D movie from the early 50s with Robert Ryan and Rhonda Fleming. Uh, Technicolor 3D movie, so kind of a crazy mix for film noir, but it's a very good movie. It works really well. Um, It played some years ago at Noir City in 3D. And this is an interesting uh, home video release because I think it was originally supposed to be one of the Fox Film Noir DVDs 10 years ago, maybe even like 12 years ago. But for whatever reason, it never got released in that format. So Twilight Time happily was able to get the rights to that, and they were able to release it. Uh, in this last year, and actually in a 3D version, so I don't have a 3D TV myself, but if you have one, you can see it that way, and I have seen it in the theater that way, and there's some great 3D effects they added that um, add some to the story, 
And uh, so this is a terrific Blu-ray release with some older extras. There's commentary from Alan Rohde. There's interviews with uh, with Eddie, with Alan, with uh, Foster Hirsch, and um, lots of other uh, great people as well talking about that movie. So you get this stuff that's at least 10 years old on this new release, which is kind of interesting. Uh-huh. But it's a, a, a really good-looking disc and absolutely worth picking up. And I uh, just wanted to wrap up with... Um, so, as I mentioned, we're going to be hopefully doing a episode coming up about Filmstruck, which includes the Warner Archive movies. They're still releasing movies, lots of great movies, on, um, on Blu-ray. A lot of them are re-releases of old DVD, that DVDs that they put out years ago in their noir, uh, Warner Noir box set collections. And the big one they put out just in the last couple of months is Gun Crazy, the great classic that... Um, the great Gun Crazy. Yes, the classic that's been shown on uh, TCM, on Noir Alley, and in many of the... Noir City Festivals over the years, of course, the screenings with Peggy Cummins um, back in 2012, 2013, when she came all the way from Europe for these uh, fantastic events. And so that is finally out now on Blu-ray. It was part of the original, the very first Warner's Film Noir DVD box set collection. And then for, I think, a number of years, it was out of print. But now it's finally back on Blu-ray from Warner Archive in a new, a new video transfer, and it looks spectacular. So absolutely worth picking up. Um, and I just wanted to mention with that one, I think going back to that very first Warner's Noir box set from 2004, for me, I still think that's maybe the best classic DVD box set ever released. Um, for me, that's one of those I, that I really I kind of go along with you on that. Yeah, I, got, yeah. I have that same one. That's one of the ones that really uh, and, got me in, into noir. Uh, the only movie I knew in that box set at the time I picked it up in 2004, I hadn't really seen much noir. The one that I knew was The Asphalt Jungle which I'd seen and loved and thought, okay, well, I'll pick up this box set so I can have that one. So talk about a great box set. It had The Asphalt Jungle and Murder My Sweet, Out of the Past, Gun Crazy, and The Setup. <laughs> All of those five <laughs> movies in one box set. Incredible. Bingo, right there. Yeah. Everything you ever needed to know, right uh, there. How could you not get hooked on film noir from that? So seeing all those four of those five movies I'd never seen before. And so from that one, I was uh, hooked for life. Uh, an amazing box set. And out of those, so four of those now are available on Blu-ray. Gun Crazy, the latest one. Murder My Sweet and Out of the Past. Warner Archive has released those as well on Blu-ray with also new video transfers for Blu-ray, which looks spectacular. And um, Asphalt Jungle is uh, on Blu-ray from Criterion. Also looking great from them. So... Hopefully we'll get the setup sometime soon, but the rest of them are all available. Okay, I think we'll leave things there. So, Kelly Vance, thanks again for joining us here on War Talk. Thank you. Great talking to you. You've uh, piqued my interest because a couple of these titles I hadn't seen. And, uh, you know, it's just a never-ending quest for me because, as uh, Andrew Saros once uh, famously said, the past is rich with promise. <laughs> And it's so, never been truer uh, than with uh, film noir because they're still digging up it's, at you know at UCLA and other places uh, uh, old Hollywood movies and in the late forties early fifties noir I think is the most interesting Eddie calls it a movement I kind of think that's true and also a genre I'd rather watch a noir than practically anything. Thanks again to Kelly Vance for joining us. Our podcast is available on iTunes and on SoundCloud. You can receive all the latest news about the work of the Film Noir Foundation by signing up on their email list at filmnoirfoundation.org. You can also get updates by following the FNF on social media. 
at Fillmore Foundation on Facebook and Tumblr, and at Moore Foundation on Twitter. And if you have any feedback for the podcast, please rate and review our show on iTunes, or you can contact us via email at podcast at fillmorefoundation.org. We'll be back soon with another episode, and until then, thanks for joining us here on Noir Talk. Thank you.